Dipsomania, the podcast about booze and cocktail culture. I'm Jake, and today Lance and I are drinking Old Fashions, the granddaddy of all cocktails. So pour yourself some whiskey and come along. There you are. Hi. Some devil. Uh, okay. Um, are we, are we, have we started? I don't even know. Uh, does it just does it just start automatically? Does, is it pretty much? Yeah, we kind of just stumble into it. People are just my cat is staring at me like I'm insane. She's like, "What are you doing? Do you want one? Do you want to?" <laughs> She's looking at it like she wants one. The thing that I oh, by the way, cheers, cheers. Let's get let's go. Mm. The thing that I often forget or or always actually is this. The old fashioned has such a pleasant scent when you're muddling the Angostura with this with the sugar. Yes. It's it's a beautiful bouquet. It's really quite lovely. And then all of that comes through uh in the drink. Indeed. So did you just do like a spoonful of sh- We're doing old fashions everybody. Welcome. Um <laughs> join us, won't you? <laughs> Uh, did you just do like a little spoonful of sugar and then douse it with the bitters and muddle that to dissolve and maybe a splash of water? Is that what you did? I I did exactly that except for the water because okay. there's a big thing of ice in it. Um, and then I, I, because I'm fancy and I live in San Francisco, um, the sugar that I have is um, raw sugar. So it's a, there's a little bit of uh, molasses to it. Right. But it's blonde. It's not that really. It's not the sugar in the raw yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's not brown sugar. It's just. It's just yeah. It's just called raw sugar. So it's not, I guess, bleached or whatever they do to sugar. Sure. But it's still made of sugar. It's it's just still got a little bit of molasses in it, whereas it does. the really refined stuff does not. Um, yeah. So I I did simple syrup. Um, I have a lavender simple syrup that I make every time we have lavender flowers so i used that and i used um boker's bitters Mm -hmm. which gives it sort of an interesting sort of medicinal herbaceousness that's different from angostura and then i used uh colonel e.h taylor bourbon what fancy yeah i love that shit my god I uh, so I mixed it up. I'm using uh, Templeton. I'm using half Templeton rye, half. Uh, is it? I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Is it? I say Michters. Yeah, I say Michters as well. Okay, we can ask them because sometimes they will answer us. Sometimes. Um, so I did half Templeton, half Michters, um, and then I added a little splash of extra rye on top, just because the 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 rock that I had looked a little bare and needed something. Uh, sure. Sure. So this is probably two ounces, one one of each, maybe one and a quarter rye. Uh, I went pure and simple. Uh, this is th- I didn't even put an orange peel in here. I didn't even muddle mm-hmm. anything. Um, this is a recipe I found uh, uh, in Esquire magazine, which is you know for men like us who are indeed who indeed. are who I don't know I don't even know what that means. Um, bearded men. Absolutely. Who enjoy drinking and titties. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much exactly yep. what Esquire K 
caters to. That's you know, and I think I think we hit the nail on the head with this drink. The other thing, so this was sort of a last minute thing. I was so my my goal here was I wanted to find a classic cocktail, uh, mm-hmm. which, which seems to be where we always start. Right. Uh, and this this is the classic cocktail, is it not? This is basically the original cocktail. Everything I've read either mentions Mad Men, like right. they all mention Mad Men, or John Draper, or they or they say, "Yeah, this is this is what this is what a cocktail is." Right, and um, from my reading, the reason it's called an old fashioned now is because by the end of the eighteen hundreds, whiskey cocktails had had other ingredients like, say, absinthe or maraschino or curacao or something like that Mm -hmm. added to the recipes. So if you were asking for a whiskey cocktail, you'd get something kind of fancified. Yep. And the lore is that the name Old Fashioned was like, well, just give me an Old Fashioned whiskey cocktail. Oh, okay. And then they just dropped it. Yeah. It became a thing. I, I rarely order these when I go out, and I think it's because it's so simple, it feels like I'm not really getting my money's worth out of the bartender. Yeah, you don't really test a bartender, although, I mean, it's all about ingredients, I guess. So if it's, it's kind of like just ordering a neat whiskey at a bar. You know, that also seems silly because you're paying inflated prices and whatever. Sure. But oftentimes it's worth it because of the ambiance or you know availability of whatever they have on their shelf. Um, yeah, I was just going to say I I will do it if I see a new whiskey that I'm not familiar with. Right, and I want to so give it a shot. Th- that's kind of how I think about ordering old fashions when I'm out as well. It's like if you if you can do something interesting, then uh, I'll, it, I'll have one. It just occurred to me that the term "give it a shot." works so well when you're at the bar and you're like, uh, what's that? Give it a shot. Yep. Man, I'm smart. There Um, you go. And if you really get to know your bartender, sometimes they will give you a shot. They will. Of the spirit, just so you can sample it. And and I'm willing to pay as well. I don't, I'm, you know, why not? I mean, they're giving me something and I'm, you know, you're paying, paying for it. Absolutely. The other thing about the old fashioned is, I think in my head, uh, because it involves uh, whiskey, bourbon primarily, and sugar, I th- I think of it as being awfully sweet, but it's really not. No, and I go kind of heavy with bitters just because <laughs> I love them. So, well, with the Angostura bottle, you almost can't not go heavy. Yeah, do, do you buy the like Costco size bottle? I have an ample bottle. Yes, it doesn't it doesn't fit with my other bitters at all. Because there's either the little tiny bottle that's like maybe five inches tall, or there's the like eight or nine inch tall big boy. It's the big it's the big one, and then it's got that um, I'm, in my the, head the paper I'm, wrapper. I'm thinking nozzle, whatever the whatever. It's not like a dripper, and it, right. it, it like it's accumulates a, the, and then you pour you you're yep. really pouring it in. You don't even have to shake. Um, and a goodly amount comes out, which again, like you, I am not opposed to. Um, mine is really interestingly to me, uh, kind of vanilla cinnamon. Uh, so the cinnamon I would guess comes from the Angostura. Mm -hmm. Uh, the vanilla I would probably attribute to the Templeton. That seems 
right to me. Yeah, I really, I'm drinking this much too quickly considering it's basically two ounces of whiskey. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I'm sure it's no surprise to you, but the E.H. Taylor makes one hell of an old fashioned. I'll bet. I, um, how many Taylors are there now? Do you know offhand? Uh, I once got, uh, off a website, the whole run, the whole set. Oh, I, I swear it was six bottles. That's not inexpensive, is it? It wasn't. It was. It was a good deal when I got it, but uh, it was still some dollars. But it's enjoyable, and it it is a really nice. All of them. I've had probably four of them. One of them was a rye. I had a. Mm-hmm. I had a single barrel. I had a single something. Single. What's? It's not single barrel. There's another single. Single something. Uh, well, this is the small batch. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, then there's a single barrel, and then there's, I think there's like a cast strength, mm-hmm. and the rye. I had the, there was one that they rescued from a warehouse that got hit by a tornado. Mm. And so there wasn't much of it, and it was expensive, but I thought, well, if God wants to destroy this, this must be good. <laughs> and it was, in fact, very good. Yes. Uh, yeah, I... I had a great time with all those bottles. I made them last. I savored them. It's it, it pays to do so, although it's also nice. I, I find that the Colonel Taylor is great for sharing with friends who proclaim that they don't like bourbon. I think it's very smooth. That, that, it, it is very smooth, and yet it's very strong. Like They're all at least um, 100 proof, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they do have a – they bite back, but I yeah. think that when – we're not the people that I know who don't like whiskey generally want it, want to, to hide the flavor of the alcohol and not the not the other flavors. And I think Colonel Taylor does a really nice balance. It's woodsy and sweet, and uh, it's good for sipping. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost a shame to use it <laughs> in anything else, um, except for an old fashioned. Except for an old fashioned, which is the the, the a pure. Uh, Expression. Right. I pulled it out there at the end. I, was, yes. I wasn't sure my head was going to work. Pure expression of, of, of whiskey. And by the way, so is there a scotch old-fashioned? Um, well, uh, of course, me being the guy that buys all the books, I have the old-fashioned book. <laughs> you have a book about old-fashions. Yes. It's the simplest cocktail, and yet. And yet, somebody wrote a book. Um, Robert Simonson wrote a book mm-hmm. and basically the front half of the book is just sort of stories and lore. And then the last half is recipes going from sort of basic classic recipes down to fancified versions, which is kind of counter to the whole name, but mm-hmm. exists. So yes, they have a scotch old fashioned in this book. And is it the same, it's basically the same, except instead of bourbon, it's got scotch in it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and going back to like when it was just the whiskey cocktail, mm-hmm. the same formulation was used with rum and with Dutch gin and with, you know, whatever. Like people make mezcal old fashions these days, and there are lots of rum old fashions now that there are so many amazing, like, specialty rum expressions floating around. Yep. As we have often noted, I have no, I'm, I'm bad about the rum thing. I, I, um, was tempted. I got a, 
an ample um, tax return, and I considered buy. So you can buy Cuban rum and have it imported from Europe. We can't. We still cannot buy it here in the U.S. Right. Even though we have reestablished communications with the Cuban people and the beautiful island. Um, still and no rum yet. Still no rum yet, and no cigars. You can you can go to Cuba and bring back. I believe it's up to $200 worth of either or. Oh, I thought there was like a number of bottles you could bring back. It's a dollar amount is how I understand it. But okay. it, but it okay. ends up being that because we can't get it here, the prices are inflated anyway. So basically you can bring back like two cigars or <laughs> like a bottle and a half of rum. Right. Um, but we can, for whatever reason, import it from Europe. And uh, there's a, a company in Britain um, I, called Whiskey, Whiskey something, Whiskey Trade, Whiskey House. Whiskey Exchange, maybe? Maybe. And they have the Old Havana uh, and various uh, examples of it. Even though, I know we're having old fashioned and I'm talking about rum, but I'm sorry. They have, and one, so one of the bottles they had was an aged, a 40 year aged Cuban rum. And with the excise tax and the shipping cost and everything else going into it, it would have been two hundred bucks for this uh-huh. bottle of, of rum. But Which I was thinking, pretty extravagant for a single bottle. It's super extravagant for me. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't spend that much. I I used to spend close to a hundred dollars for a bottle of wine, but mm-hmm. that was also when I was dating somebody who had lots more money than I did, so it uh-huh. didn't feel like an extravagance <laughs> um, as long as he was paying for it. Um, but I, de- I decided against it because it's kind of a sight unseen. I'm reading about the people who love rum, and they're saying, this is a really good rum, and you will enjoy it very much, and it's worth every penny. But at the same time, I'm not one of these people. I don't have a lot of rums that I could probably judge what I like or what I don't like. Um, so I didn't get it. Long story short, <laughs> I did not buy it. But I would buy the Colonel Taylor, which is also yeah. around 80 bucks, I think. Oh, I wish I could remember, like, A, which bottles were included in the set. It, it, it may have just been four bottles, because I'm looking now. So E.H. Taylor has small batch, which is what I'm drinking in my old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. has single barrel. Then it has barrel proof. So that's the – it's probably like 130-something proof. Yep. Yep. Um, then it has the straight rye. And I'm willing to bet those are the four bottles that I had in my set. And I think that set was under $200 for those four bottles. Oh, that is a deal. Because I, I don't know whether it's because of where we are and everything is overpriced in this fucking city. Or mm. that just the Colonel Taylors, um, but it, it seems to me they were between 80 and $90, depending on which version you were going to get. Yeah, I don't think the small batch is that high. I know I, the reason I have it today is because I was my local liquor store does Sunday specials. And that was on special for $17 off. Mm, mm-hmm. and, and the sale price was like $32. So it's about 50 bucks a bottle. Wow. I would buy two bottles. <laughs> Frankly. Do you have a go-to whiskey? Uh, I mean, I always keep Bullet Rye around. Mm. Like, I, I buy that in the big handles and always have it around. And what do you like about it? Uh, it's, it works really well in cocktails and it's 
still good as a sipper, like just on a rock. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily one I just drink neat. I tend to do that more with scotch than rye American whiskeys. Yeah, in general. Mm-hmm. Um, tend to tend to like a rock with American whiskeys. So, but it's got a little spice to it, and um, not as much sort of vanilla flavors as mm. others. Um, a bit more bite, as I recall. Love yeah, but some heat. Not not noticeably though. Like mm. it's it's there. And they have more than one expression, don't they? Of the rye, it seems of like the, they came, they came out with a an, an aged. Something I'm gonna go cheat I, now and go look. I thought those were all bourbon. Uh, I bet you're right. Oh God, I have to enter on my how old I am. And yeah. by the way, liquor. I I assume this is a law, of liquor people. But you know, no one ever tells you the truth. No, I, I just, always I, I always say I was born in like 1901. Yeah, I spin the dial, <laughs> and wherever it ends up, that's where I was born. And I just leave the month and the day where they are. So it's like January first, twenty. I don't know, 1920. Um, Which just happens to be January 1st, just happens to actually be my birthday. So that's handy for me. Oh, uh, <laughs> you are right. The, the the rye is one expression. There is a, a bourbon and a 10-year-old bourbon. Um, I don't know what I was thinking of. Hey, they have a link called, what is whiskey? What is it? <laughs> it's handy. Um, I just had an idea or a, a, a thought, and it, it, it crossed my mind and flew away. Oh, I was going to say, so my go-to is is Eagle Rare. Okay. And the reason for me there is, um, I well, there's there's a couple of reasons. Number one, I just like it. It's very, it's, a, again, a good sipper, a good mixer, uh, and inexpensive, I think, for what you get. Mm-hmm. And also I love the fact that it's called Eagle Rare. <laughs> like it's going to be something super, like in a cut crystal glass and and it comes <laughs> in, no, no it comes in like this jug with this like you know um silk screened eagle and the and the lettering yeah. is terrible and it do you get the giant tall bottle yes because they make like the oversized super tall bottle <laughs> yes i get the i get the tall bottle and the first time i'd had it uh i was in new orleans um staying with my friend pablo and uh, went to the grocery store, and they had it like a like a, a liter of it or whatever. How like big? I'd never seen it before, and I thought, "Ooh, Eagle Rare sounds special." <laughs> and and yet, like a liter bottle was like thirty dollars. I'm like, mm, "This this hits me in my sweet spot." It tells me that it's rare and it's inexpensive, right? And Which means it, it's not rare at all. It is not. And then it turned out it was good, and I really enjoyed it. So um, yeah, I. I that's that's the one bottle I keep around all the time. Yeah, it, it's definitely delicious whiskey, and uh, it's also from Buffalo Trace Distillery, so mm-hmm. share, shares that heritage with the E. H. Taylor and so many other delicious whiskeys. They do a really good job. I do. I mean, I don't think I've had a whiskey from them that I didn't like. And then well, if I if I think about it, there's probably not a whiskey that I, <laughs> I didn't like. At least an aged whiskey. I don't like white whiskey. <laughs> oh, I agree. Um, I don't get the point of that. Um, th- that's not why you buy a whiskey, isn't it? It's basically vodka. Well, it's moonshine. 
which is bad vodka. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> can you? But like, does it make good bitters or anything? Have you ever used it to make bitters? Uh, no, I used Everclear for my clear spirit, and I used uh, I think Wild Turkey One Hundred and One for the whiskey bitters. I saw a bitters recipe the other week that called using they wanted to use Pisco as the the liquor. Huh? That seems weird. That does seem weird. It has a very distinct flavor. Yeah. And but, I can't remember what the type of bitters were, and I want to say they involved tea in some way. Huh. Um, that would be interesting. It's Pisco's got that real dryness to it that may actually be interesting. Well, there you go. You can give it. A, <laughs> you're the bitter maker. You can give it a shot. Maybe uh, not a lot. You know. Yeah. Try, try a little bit and see what happens. That's, that's the thing. I need to figure out how to make just tiny amounts <laughs> instead of making. A gallon of one flavor. Uh, I don't think it. It's not that hard, is it? You just don't. You just cut back on the ingredients and make less. Well, am, it, am I overthinking this? It depends on your methodology. If you can like do a single sort of infusion, so mm-hmm. like mix, mix all your ingredients and infuse those at once, and then you know cut it and sweeten it or whatever you want to do, you is can it, do that. Is it because you're you're buying in bulk? You're buying like tons of bark and stuff, or? Well, what I was trying with the first batch of bitters I made is I did separate, like distinct infusions. So, like I do herbs in this one, and I do some root in this one, and I do gentian in this one, and whatever. And then I try to blend those to yeah. achieve a profile. Okay. <clears throat> so you're you're following the. Uh, 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 there's that gin that makes all of their different botanicals and separately, and then it mixes them together and charges you $300 for the bottle. Yes. So that, that's your theory. Well, somebody advised me to try that. Mm. Somebody? I, <laughs> Some random yeah. person on the street? Well, Brian Dayton, who is a famous guy. You can name on, drop. Do it. Do he's, it. He's been on GQ. Oh. And we have not. And mm. probably ne'er shall be. But uh, no, he he's one of the owners of a few restaurants around town. Um, firstly, Oak at Fourteenth and Boulder, and they have a great bar pro- program. Uh, thanks to him, and uh, he has a whole you know production facility sort of in the upstairs office from the restaurant of just infusing stuff to make bitters. So uh, I also so. I, I I need to jot these ideas down before because I'll forget them otherwise. And and if I tell you, you'll remember. I don't because I'm so old, my brain is dying. But <laughs> uh, I want to talk about number one. I was very impressed. You you tweeted a picture of your your layout for today's uh, podcast, and I was so impressed by the number of tools, not least of which was the the Hendrix bar mat, mm-hmm. which I like. So number one, I want to ask about like what do you what do you recommend in in that way when you're when you're setting up. And number two, our friend Matt Howie asked you about your ice making methodology, which I'm also curious about how you make those tall towers of ice. And are you are you like is, are you are you chopping them? Are you tapping them? Are you how, what? How do you get a rock out of those things? Okay, so the reason they're that elongated shape is because it's uh, 
I forget the name of it. I linked it in my reply to Matt. Um, but it's the neat ice mold or something like that. <laughs> okay. And um, so it's elongated like that because it's a silicone mold that slips inside a foam sleeve mm-hmm. so that it gradually freezes from the top down. Okay. Pushing the cloudiness, basically, whatever that is, whether it's bubbles or impurities or whatever you want to think that is. It pushes that down. So basically you get half of that rectangle is clear ice. And you can't see it in that picture because it's frosted over. But um, half of that rectangle is clear ice. The other half is cloudy ice. Mm-hmm. And I will say that cloudy half, if you sort of dig into it with the chisel or whatever, just smells of chlorine and it's nasty. Oh, really? Oh, I was. that's what I'm, my next question was going to be. Is it really that different between the two? Because my I just use... So my ice making method is uh, they're these uh, they're they're basically supposed to be used to make baby food serving. Right. So so each so there's they're individual molds and then each one has a lid on it, which helps keep some of the freezer smell out of your ice. And you you're basically making one big cube per thing. So you've got one, but they are you know they do have like the cloudy core. And then I had another ice making thing that I think I kickstarted or something like that. Which basically looks like a spaceship. It's like a. It's like a. It's probably nine inches long and six inches wide. And it's kind of round, which encases the ice compartment, which is this blue tray. And you put uh-huh. the tray inside the insulation, and then you put the lid on top. But the the downside being, it takes up half your freezer. So I used it like once and didn't use it again, and was annoyed with it because it was so huge. Oh well, yeah, the, these ice molds do take up a lot of space, and you get. I got two of them, so I can get two beautiful ice cubes <laughs> at a time. So at you, a time. So you and your lady friend enjoy beautiful ice cubes. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, but what I try to do is sort of produce, and like when I come home from work, I'll go ahead and and what you do is they the kit includes basically a muddler, a wooden dowel, and a really sharp chisel. Mm-hmm. So you just turn that rectangle on its side and sort of score it with the sharp edge of the chisel and then give it a tap and it just splits. Okay. And uh, so do, do you, you just, you're, you're just using tap water, I'm assuming. Yeah. Cause but I, I have, have tried, I have tried all sorts of other things. Cause I have found this, this is not related actually to the cloudiness, but it's sometimes hard for me to get my ice out of the mold Mm-hmm. But if I use filtered water, it comes out easier. That's interesting. I don't. I don't know why. Yeah. And it may just be in my imagination, but it feels like every right. time I use and I have a a Culligan filter on my faucet, uh huh, which you can get via Amazon. Um, <laughs> and they do a really good job. I used to have Brita, and I never. I was never really. I don't think Brita does anything, frankly. Yeah, I mean, we use a pitcher, one of the Brita pitchers, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've made ice with that water and it makes no difference. Yeah, I I don't trust them, but the but the I I testify that the Culligan does in fact have better tasting water and does do something because the ice comes out. Oh, huh, interesting. Yeah, and I've tried boiling the water and mm-hmm. letting it cool, which is um, oh I can't forget I can't remember his name or the name of his book. But uh, 
there's there's a dude who wrote a book that's all sort of <laughs> the ice book. Well, he's all sort of um, molecular gastronomy about cocktails. All right. And and he's got a chapter about ice, and he basically tells you to like boil the water, let it cool back down, and then use that, and you're still going to have to chop some off because it's still going to be cloudy. Yeah, I tried that as well, and it's bullshit. Um, I think distilled water makes a little bit of a difference, but then you have to buy distilled water all the time. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think my ice is fine. I think, number one, the lid helps to keep the smell out. I don't. Uh-huh. Know, I don't know why my freezer has a smell, but it certainly does. See my my freezer. The freezer on my refrigerator in my kitchen mm-hmm. is almost exclusively for ice. <laughs> That's impressive. Uh, we have a garage like stand up freezer. Mm. To all the like frozen meats and whatever. Yeah, my my freezer is basically ice and gin. Mm-hmm. And one bottle of vodka. <laughs> uh, and uh, occasional meat. But I usually, because it's just me, I don't buy meat in, in a, enough that I can just, I'll just keep it in the fridge. Yeah, it would be silly for you to, like, cook a big meal and have leftovers. And it doesn't, whatever. yeah, it doesn't really work. They never taste better the next day, except spaghetti sauce. Sure. Always tastes better the next day. Well, I'm out of, I'm out of drink now. Oh, are you? Yep. I'm going to muddle something in it next time. Uh, and, you know, the bottom of my drink, if you use real sugar, it's super sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's why I like to use the uh, simple syrup. It, it mm. distributes a little no, bit. No, it's like whiskey bubble gum. It's great. It's like that gum that you, you, you bite and the juice comes out, whatever those were called. Oh, what were those called? Which, which we called cum gum when I, when I was in high school. That makes sense. All right, I'm gonna make an. I'm gonna make another one. Okay, I'm trying to think of what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna do something. All right, back in a mo. All right. Okay. Mine's either gonna be super weird or super good. Okay. What'd you do? Can you can you see that? Ooh. That's an interesting color. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what possessed me, but uh, I muddled in some Luxardo cherries. Uh Uh-huh. And I added uh, a little bit of espresso. Really? (laughs) That look on your face says it all to me. Yeah, I don't know why, but, you know, let's see what happens. What'd you do? Okay, before you taste yours, I'll talk you through mine. Um, (laughs) So mine still looks normal. Yeah, good for uh, you. <laughs> so I stuck with my lavender simple syrup because I have that. Uh, I switched the bitters to equal parts of my homemade blood orange whiskey bitters, which, as I mentioned, are based on Wild Turkey 101. Mm-hmm. Um, and the workhorse rye, coffee rye bitters, which are excellent. Mm. Um, and then I switched the whiskey to Overholt Rye. Uh, mine's got a lot of sediment going on, so I'm going to call this a sedimentary old-fashioned, like really old-fashioned. <laughs> this, this is what the cavemen drank. Cheers. 
That is not bad. Well, the cherry and the coffee makes sense to me. It's just surprising. It's just, yeah. <laughs> well, so my inspiration was twofold. Um, one is I've been making a lot of those coffee drinks, you know. Yeah. So I've been actually loving that. You can put almost anything in coffee and it works, I'm finding out. What do you call it? A shakerado? Shakerado. Um, which I did not make up. That is an actual thing. Um, so I thought, and I've certainly put uh, bourbon in the shakerados before, and I've added mole bitters and all kinds of different things. So I thought I would flip it this time and put the coffee into the old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. The downside is it it is an odd, it's not a very pretty color necessarily. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff floating in here. <laughs> How much espresso was it? Um, just like, you know, the little espresso spoons. Uh huh. So it was just like that. Like I just took some espresso powder and just like shoved it in there. Oh, the espresso powder. Well, I mean, it's espresso. It's not really grinds, you know, it's very, 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 very tiny. Uh, and then I, uh, I had read online, um, that someone was saying that their first old fashioned was with muddled maraschino, but the, like the. The red ones, not like the good ones. Right, yeah. But as you pointed out, I thought that the Luxardo and the coffee would work well together and that everything would... And then I still used Angostura um, and sugar. So there's a lot going on. The, yeah. the scent is really strongly of coffee. Like, this, uh-huh. you, this, sure. t- this smells like coffee. But... Yeah, you get everything. It's. I would recommend it. If you like coffee. Job well done. Thank you. And that's, this is a lesson for people at home. Don't ever think your idea is too crazy. Oh, especially, yeah, if it's something you're going to consume and you know that all the components are worth consuming. And what's the worst? You throw it down the sink, you try again. Yeah, exactly. As, as I tweeted the other day, somebody sat in a room and thought, let's make a movie about a tornado made of sharks. Yes. So what's wrong with a coffee old-fashioned? And now they're on at least the third one, right? Fourth. The fourth, fourth. one. Fourth one. Which I did so, watch. I'm, I, I like I like bad movies. I like them. I actually know a guy who worked on at least two or three, maybe both of them, as, like, <laughs> prop master. So... <laughs> It's they're remarkable. If you've not, if you've never sat down to watch one, I I do recommend it. Um, there, I mean, there's a series of really bad sci-fi channel movies of that ilk, um, like Mecha Mecha Shark, Mecha Mega Shark versus Octa. <laughs> they sound like Godzilla movies. They they in some sense they are, but they always star actors from shows that you watched when you were a teenager. <clears throat> Um, one of the best one is Sharks in Venice. What? <laughs> Highly recommend it. I uh, can't remember who stars in it, but it, it is somebody prototypical of these films. And they're they're perfectly enjoyable. Get a big bowl of popcorn and a drink such as an espresso old-fashioned. And just, just let it wash over you. Don't think. Don't think about it. <laughs> Not the point. If you want to think about something, see... Leonardo being raped by a bear, and then sure. feel bad about yourself. But these these are not feel bad about yourself movies. I've seen neither. <laughs> I have not either. I don't really have a, a 
a great desire to see uh, Leonardo DiCaprio put himself through all of that for a film, basically. Mm-mm. Plus, I'm not a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan, so it's not something. Yeah. I mean, if he is, if he was actually raped by a bear, then maybe I would watch it. But I <laughs> hear that is not, in fact, the case. Yeah, no, it just sort of looks like that. And what was the other question? So we covered the ice. Oh, the, the so your your choice of equipment. So I was looking at my own cocktail equipment the other day and thinking about you know which ones I use, which ones I don't use. Mm-hmm. Um, b- before I became what I would consider a, more of a hardcore cocktail drinker, sure. I bought a, a kit of tools um, by, I can't remember the name, WMF, it's some, I don't know. But like, they were all thematic, like they'll have little faces on them. So there's like ice tongs and um, a, a bottle opener that's actually like a, a face with a mouth, like you open the bottle with, with the mouth. Um, and they're serviceable, but I'm a bit embarrassed by them now because it does feel like something that you... You know, you went to Restoration Hardware and you bought that cocktail cart, and now you have the cocktail tools to, and you never actually use any of this stuff, right? Right. It's, I have the same. I have I have a collection of Restoration Hardware. <laughs> uh, we all do, Jake. We all got cocktail set- shakers, like you know, the one shaped like a rooster and yeah. the one shaped like a penguin, and all these things, and they are locked away in a cabinet right now because they're slightly embarrassing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I like I I probably got five cocktail shakers and I use two of them regularly and the other three two, like two are wholly impractical. One is like a cut crystal um it weighs 5 pounds. It's super heavy. It's gorgeous. But at the same time you can never get the lid off because it's just like It's a shaker? It is a shaker. Yeah, oh, it's gorgeous. Wow. I'll show it to you. Uh, one day, maybe today, maybe I'll... sure. Um, and I can't remember why or where I got it from. Um, and then the other one that I don't use is, um, I think it's a Lessi, so it's Italian design. It's again gorgeous design, but unusable because you once once it gets cold, everything fuses together, and you can't get the lid off. You can't actually enjoy your cocktail, which is kind of frustrating. Yes, it is. After you've done, you know you're you're shaking it, you're anticipating it. Most of the fun of shaking is anticipation. I'm going to have a delicious, cold, frosty cocktail. Well, it, it, I, I will also advocate for shaking as a really entertaining physical activity. <laughs> the only exercise I get, basically. For, for basically everyone involved. It also, Spect- I mean, if spectators got, and participants. If you've got man boobs like I do, things just start shaking around and it's very entertaining for the crowd as well. And there is such a thing as a shake face. Is there? <laughs> Every bartender has oh, a particular shake face. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was i i had a i i was looking at so the, so the, the 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 bartender thing about shaking and stirring, um, and and d- depending on who you're talking to, so especially the Japanese. The Japanese are very specific and pristine about shaking and stirring. Yeah. And the other day I found this uh, video at YouTube of a Japanese bartender making a gimlet, which you and I can both agree is a fairly simple cocktail. Yes. But he literally <laughs> literally used like three glasses and a shaker and a stirring glass, probably an entire freezer worth of ice to keep everything cold. He was literally stirring the 
the lime cordial in a little tiny glass as if that was doing something. Okay. And then combining everything and then shaking it. And he definitely had shaker face, like, but no, like no smile. He, right. It's a, it's a job. He's, he's concentrating on you know, the feel of the ice and the shaker and the sound and things. But well, and those, those Japanese bartenders in particular also get really into like shake technique and they do like quarter turns and twists and like weird stuff. But I love it. I loved watching him. I, I you know, oh, I, I watch videos of Japanese bartenders all the time. I am not convinced it makes a difference. I don't know. Uh, but I, I think that there are, I mean, I think there are things that do make a difference. If, if you're shaking something, for example, if you're making um, a gin fizz or anything with egg white in it, I think you need a bigger container to really agitate all the things in there and get them. You, you're, part of the thing is, you know, getting oxygen involved. And right. if you have a smaller thing and you're filling it up with too much ice and too much stuff, you're going to have a harder time. Right. But so the, go ahead. The really simple rule that I tell people, because actually when people find out that I'm a gigantic cocktail nerd, I get... <laughs> you're not I get, gigantic. I'm kind of big <laughs> okay. these days. But <laughs> two questions. Like One is like, what are bitters? And like, why, why is bitters a thing? Which is actually a little bit hard to explain, but it you you end up talking about like, well, cocktails used to be a delivery, you know, vehicle for medicine, basically. Mm -hmm. You thought mm -hmm. bitters were medicine, so And I believe that to be true. I always feel better. Yeah. Um so there's that question. But the the second most frequent question I think I get is what were we talking about? <laughs> um shaking. And, and oh, when do you shake and when do you stir? I have I have a really simple answer for this. Okay, and my simple answer is if the drink involves nothing but spirits or nothing but booze, so including you know sherry and vermouth and liqueurs to a degree, but generally, if it's spirit based, you stir. Mm -hmm. If you have citrus, sugar, for which you know. The old fashioned and the Sazerac are exclusions from that because and, you and or egg white. You do the muddling, yes, or, or cream, I think as well. Yeah, dairy, dairy or egg. So, citrus, sugar, dairy or egg. That's when you need to shake. I that so my rule of thumb is exactly the same. If there's citrus involved, you shake, and dairy or egg. And if it's liquor, you don't. The reason being that you're paying for the liquor and you want as much undiluted liquor as you can get in your drink <laughs> and if you're shaking it you're 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 by definition diluting it right that's true but but uh, yes there's always a but go ahead go in with your butt and i'll show you my butt okay we'll trade butts <laughs> yeah, yes my butt is with the the reasoning with the citrus and the sugar is distribution like you want that evenly mixed and okay. incorporated but then also dilution. Dilution is an underappreciated aspect of making a cocktail. The other thing about shaking is if you've ever shaken a Manhattan mm -hmm. or if you've ever shaken a, uh, a Negroni, you know that those things become weirdly frothy. Yes. Which I am now learning is, in fact, a thing. So... If you want a frothy Negroni, shake mm -hmm. it. 
Sure. And there are people who, like, they want that. And I think I mentioned before, uh, my friend Terrence insists that I shake his martini because he likes those little shards of ice in it. Yeah. He likes seeing them in in the drink because it reminds him how cold it is. He likes sure. he likes them on his tongue. He like so and and maybe it's like just like I worked harder for the right because stirring eh, whatever mm. shaking like I made him something so he appreciates I don't know. it. I put in a really good show when I'm stirring. <laughs> See, I'm not. I'm I'm embarrassed by my stirring talents. I'm not good at it still. Do you know I have like a good. Spoon action? No, and you know, I found another... So when I was looking for this Japanese video, I found another video that that is all about practicing your stirring. Yeah. So he's 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 putting... And, and <clears throat> I think it was uh, Jim Meehan. So he was doing it in slow motion saying, you know, it's it's a two-finger... For him, it's a two-finger right. technique. So you, you push from 6 o'clock to 12 o'clock. You pull from 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock. So you're you're doing this thing and he goes and while i'm doing it i'm not thinking about it obviously but that that this is what i'm doing right and i and i because i i'm sort of like i'm still like a spoon holder right so i'm like gripping it i'm not like oh no 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 it (laughs) it needs to spin in your fingers right and i so i haven't gotten that and so i guess i need to practice and also i think having a nice stirring glass is important well, I use science speakers. I, I use the graduated science speakers. And, and of course, I don't know if this is because I'm anal or gay or both, but I I bought a specific. You got the nice I got cut the, crystal. The, the Japanese, Japanese seamless. Yeah. Uh, yokai, yurai, yurai? Yurai, yurai. Glass. Um, and I broke one uh, once because it got. Um, it was slippery. I, I don't remember why, but I dropped it in the sink and it shattered. Mm. And they're not cheap. No. Um, but. I feel like they're on the order of like 60-ish, they, either side of 60. Yeah, 50 to 60 bucks. Um, yeah. But I, again, I, I just have way too many tools, but I appreciate, I'm one of those people who likes weird tools in the kitchen. Like I, right. I, I had a, um. The lemon squisher, what is whatever that the juicer, you know that it, it and it's yellow, so you know it's for the lemon. Which which is in my picture, even though there was no need for it. No, but it's, it's <laughs> so I I inherited that because I I I also have a a juicer like a like a, a industrial grade uh, Breville juicer for citrus. It's not just a juicer; it's like specifically put the and it's it does a great. It, Spins yeah. has those spinning cones. Yeah, it's got the and it's all it's all aluminum and heavy grade, and you can disassemble it and clean all the parts. And I'm pretty sure you can use that for pomegranates, also, if you ever want to make your own grenadine. That is good good to know, um, though I probably won't because yeah. we've got small hands and they make excellent grenadine. But yeah. it's also but it but it's really good for um, grapefruit, which I haven't found any other manual way of doing it. Yeah, no, I have the big like lever press. Oh yeah, yeah, juicer. And is it, and that's 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 big enough for grapefruit? Yeah. I actually bought the Breville originally this and I bought it before um I was doing cocktails because I I like I do like orange juice and I like juices. So I was 
just buying like you know the big bag of oranges and just juicing the fuck out of them and i would have all this <laughs> fresh orange and but it sort of it sort of defied the point because i would pre-juice them all so i wasn't really having fresh orange juice because you have to haul it out and do and i have a yeah. tiny kitchen I, I live in you know this city where everything is tiny so i i can't have a lot of tools and yet i do yeah yeah so uh just Going back to spoons, you know the the picture I posted on Twitter features my favorite bar spoon. Like that's my go-to. It's the gold tone fork and cocktail kingdom swirly bar spoon, <laughs> and I love that thing. And, well, and why do you love it? Okay, so compare it to the swirly bar spoon that most of us have had contact to that has really, like, square edges. Like, it's just a flat piece of metal that somebody twisted on a machine. And so it's got, not sharp, but, like, squared off edges. Everything on the spoon is rounded and soft. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, smooth. And sexy. Okay. And so I – do you use the fork end? No. No, I am against fork ends. I'm against forks. I only like it as an aesthetic because it's a trident. Like it's a really pretty fork. And you said it's gold? Gold-plated? Yeah. Well, the gold tone. Okay. The cocktail well, kingdom does. I think they are actually gold-plated, I think. Yeah. Like the copper-plated ones. And, and – you know, it's like wearing off in spots. I've had it long enough now. But, um, and like gold is not really my color, but it was just the color that they had in that shape and that size. Yeah. So, yeah, I've slowly been, um, collecting the copper plated stuff. Yeah. Which is I, gorgeous. I gifted a whole copper plated set to friends of mine that just got married. So, mm-hmm. like, the little cobbler shaker. The bar spoon and the, uh, I think the uh, Hawthorne strainer with the spring. Yep, and now they have Collins spoon straws. Oh, and they also have julep strainers. Yes, I think it. I think the whole gamut. And did yeah. we did we talk about their their black line? Yes, the enamel weird. I don't know if that was just a private conversation or on the podcast, but and, but we agreed that it's terrible. It's pretty terrible. It's not. It's not good. Yeah, it's it's not even tough looking. It's just like no. And they also have like skull spoons, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Is, is that for Dan Aykroyd alone, or no? The skull spoon is focused at the tiki people. Mm. All right. Did I? Hey, did I mention I went to the new tiki bar here in town? Which is called. That's a good question. It's called <laughs> pa- Pagan Idol. It's called Pagan Idol. Pagan Idol. It's by oh. the 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 same team that did Bourbon and Branch and Rick House. Okay. And so if I'm gonna compare and contrast Pagan Idol against Smuggler's Cove. Right. And Smuggler's Cove still keeps winning awards. It's still being cited as one of the best bars in the country. Not and one that's... of the tiki bars, but one of the best bars in the country. Well, and that's the same group that does the uh, White White Chapel. Chapel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not a group. I think it's just Martin Kate. It's just a dude. And his wife, whose name escapes me. I'm I'm sure he's got investors behind him. Oh, for sure. So, call it a group. And now a book. Um, 
so Pagan Idol is more like... Actually, there's three Tiki rooms, if we count also uh, the Tonga room, which has mm-hmm. been here forever. Um, it it swings more towards Tonga room sort of 50s Disney-esque fantasy Tiki, as opposed to where I think Smuggler's Cove is trying to be more... Um, if you went to Jamaica and you were hanging out in a bar, it would have this sort of paraphernalia around it. Right. I will say that I enjoy the drinks at Smuggler's Cove better than the ones at Pagan Idol. And I think it's because Pagan Idol is trying to reinvent tiki drinks. Oh, so they're not necessarily staying with the classic recipes. They are, but the ones that they feature, if you get a menu and, you know, the things that they're making there are, I believe, their own inventions. And I had a couple, and they were okay. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really think that the tiki genre has been pretty well established and identified. And I'm not sure we need new tiki drinks. I'm not sure I totally agree with that. Um, I'm always in favor of, you know, innovation by substitution. Mm-hmm. Exploration, as it were. Yeah. Um, maybe that's why I wasn't impressed because the, so one was basically a pineapple based drink whose name escapes me. The other one was, um, as, as with all tiki drinks involves several different kinds of rum and then let's throw some juice of some sort in there. Right. And after a while, a lot of these drinks just sort of, they blend together in my head. They're all basically of a kind. Where... Well, I would, say, I would say that's mostly true with tiki drinks in general. Mm-hmm. Um, with the slight caveat of, like, you know, going from, like, a coconut-based flavor to, like, a pineapple-based flavor is going to be noticeable. Yes. Stuff like that. But as far as, like, you know, piles of rum, something sort of sneakily bitter. Yeah. And then fruit juice and lots of ice. It's kind of how, how I categorize tiki drinks. And also 50% of it is presentation. Yes. The, the garnishes, the umbrellas, the fun straws. The So the interior of Pagan Idol, it's a little bit, it's a little bit weird to me. The front portion is open initially. So when you walk in, it looks like a tiny bar. So there's a there's a bar and there's like a little lounge area. And actually, it's very tasteful. It's beautiful. Um, and then this door opens, like this secret door opens at the far end of the room. And suddenly, there's this entire other world that's three or four times the size of the bar that you've been inhabiting until like six o'clock. And they have... Uh, uh, a la the Tonga Room, occasional thunderstorms with lighting effects and fog. And um, I, I believe there's a soundtrack of, you know... There's fog? There is fog. <laughs> yes. No, they went all out on this thing. Um, so I think if you're into tiki drinks or tiki bars, you definitely need to give it a stop because it it, it is quite impressive and quite beautiful. Um and maybe that's the thing is because I'm not really into tiki bars or that or that scene necessarily. I guess I don't appreciate it because I associate it with I, I always use the term Disney because that's how it feels to me. It's like going into the tiki room at Disneyland. Right. Um, and well, 
that's got to be especially true in San Francisco and probably also New York. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, w- I was going to include Chicago there because Three Dots keeps also winning awards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think maybe they don't fall into that. But, like, San Francisco and New York, like, it's going to be kind of disnified if it's going to get off the ground at all. We're, we are very themey. I have to admit, even though my favorite bars are not themey, but I don't know if that's me or that's the bars. Well, so, yeah, and it's it's funny that we're talking about tiki bars during the old-fashioned <laughs> episode. <laughs> I was just thinking that. This is not but a tiki drink. I will say, um, I've been to two tiki bars, and one was here in Denver, and it was actually opened by one of my friends, so I just was supporting him and it was, you know, a handy place to go. And they had like delicious fried snacks and sugary drinks. And it was a fun place to hang out. Yeah. Um, not necessarily exemplary of anything, but like they, they, they made blue drinks. They made good stuff. You know, it was fun. Yeah. And it didn't last long. Sadly. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. So uh, just thinking out loud, maybe the thing that I, I, the reason I don't enjoy them as much as I enjoy other bars is because I go to the bars basically for the bartender and the service. And I think the tiki bar expects the bar to take the place of that. And that's absolutely the case with this local joint that I went to. Um, I won't bother trying to remember the name because they've been closed for years. But, uh, you know, we got to know the bartenders, but, you know, they weren't, like, crafts bartenders. They were mm-hmm. making drinks. Yeah. They were making drinks and serving food and, like, doing whatever. Right. And they and they don't appear to have the time to spend to see what you want or to to give you a chat because they're, they're dealing with a specific, again, everything's got to be a tiki drink. Well, exactly. It's not like you're going to go up there and it's like, oh, I've never had that whiskey. Like, what's... No. What, Yes. Is going to be good with that. Like, they have these drinks. Pick one. Have them. Enjoy them. <laughs> Pick one! Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like... But, one... but, 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 okay. I have to say, my second, or my other, I actually don't remember the order that they happened, but my other Tiki Bar experience was just mind-blowing. Hmm. And, uh... My brother-in-law used to live in the Los Feliz neighborhood in L.A., which is sort of Hollywood. And uh, within walking distance of his house was this shack of a tiki bar. Yeah. Which is how things are in L.A. Like, you can walk a few blocks or, you know, drive for five minutes and, like, there's some hole in the wall place that's amazing at this one thing. Yep. So... We walked down to this place, and we got, like, the one booth in the place. It was, like, a bar with, like, a booth and, like, three tables. It was a tiny little place. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that everybody else in there was a regular. <laughs> and whenever the bartender made a particular drink, the crowd would react. Like, <laughs> Yay! 
No, it would be like he'd be pouring the white rum for this one drink, you know, like the 151 white rum. He'd do a big tall pour and they'd all bang on the table. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like um, the the, the Tapanyaki bars. I don't know that. That's uh, Benihana. Oh sure, yeah. So where they're they're flipping shrimp at you, and everybody's having a good time. There, there's crowd participation, yes. Okay. Like, you know, like he do something with fire to like garnish the drink, and like everybody cheer, and like, and you could tell that these people did that either every day or at least like three times a week. Like they were in there sitting at that bar talking to the bartenders. Yeah. And we were the noobs. And we were having a blast, like yes. watching the whole show from the booth. I, I I have a similar response to that. So over in Alameda, do you know about Alameda? So Alameda is a little island that sits in the middle of the bay, and it's it's okay. this um, it's kind n- of like Alcatraz. No, um, <laughs> it is not like Alcatraz because people live on Alameda, and it's it's so it's bigger than Alcatraz, and it's okay. around the it's around the corner. It's under the Bay Bridge. Um, so it's it, it's its own odd, fun little neighborhood that's actually kind of hard to get to. Like, there's no BART service there, and you have to take the ferry and et cetera. I, I could be wrong about all this, by the way. If anybody lives in Alameda, feel free to chastise me. Because I've only been there a few times. <clears throat> but it has two things, two amazing things that you need to go to Alameda for. One, it has the Pinball Museum. Which, I've heard about that. Oh, my God. It's so fun. I got blisters on my thing, just like from this. <laughs> And the second thing is the Forbidden Island Tiki Lounge. Now, the Forbidden Island, I don't know how long it's been there, but it it has the ambiance of something that's like has lasted. So it isn't an, a reinvention of the Tiki Lounge. No, I feel like that's one of the originals. I think it was featured on like one of Bourdain's shows or and something. It's, like it's that. just like this, like you. It, it's kind of what you're talking about. So it, I, there's this sort of feeling going to Smuggler's Cove. Um, and to some extent, Pagan Idol, that it's an experience and I need to be having more fun and that, you know, this is one of the best bars in the country, so I I need to really enjoy this drink. Whereas you go to Forbidden Island and it's just fun. It's just about, like, relaxing. It's genuine it's, fun. Yeah. It's genuine fun, right? And and the bartenders are chummy and they are happy to see you there and they're happy to make you a drink. And um, I can't, there's one they make with bananas that's just awesome. It's really, really good. Um, I'm going to look at their menu now because they are online. Um, <laughs> looking, looking, looking. I don't know. It's not. It's not relatively easy to find. I guess. Oh, I like that. So their their drink strength is shown in skulls. Oh, very nice. So in case you're worried, it's, it's like a Chinese menu with the peppers in showing fact, you what's spicy. Yes. <laughs> um, and they have things with sparklers in them, and they have things that flame, and they have the giant bowls and all that stuff. And they have a patio you can sit outside and just get sauced, and nobody gives a shit. And that, and I, I don't know that we can do that here in San Francisco. You know, it, it, it Alameda's like um, a regular little neighborhood. It's not, it's not, it doesn't have the, the, the pretension that San Francisco does. It doesn't have well, to try. So do you think, like, locals keep that place afloat? Like people in the neighborhood keep that place afloat. I would bet that that is that's probably the case because you, again, 
we'll go across the bridge and we'll go to Oakland or we'll go to Berkeley, but Alameda is kind of out of the way. And there's really right. not a lot there. There's not, a, there's no, so we go to Oakland to go to concerts and to go to movies and there's always yeah. something happening in Oakland and you go to Berkeley because there's great food and the college, etc. Not a lot on Alameda. So, you know, you go to the and, pinball museum and then you have a tiki drink and you're like super happy. And the, and yeah, probably the transit stuff shuts down at a certain time of night. Yeah. And trying to get an Uber over there is impossible. Nobody wants to go to Alameda. Right. <clears throat> but um, if, if next time you come to the Bay Area, we're going to make a trek over to Alameda, and we're going to play pinball and have a fucking tiki drink. That sounds fucking awesome. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. So just to close the loop on my equipment picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we talked about the ice pillars. We talked about my spoon. Also, uh, the... What you see in the foreground of that picture is the muddler and the ice chisel that's included with the ice kit that we talked about from yep. Studio Neat. Mm-hmm. Um, then I have the muddler that I actually use to muddle things, um, which is just a standard wooden muddle muddler. It's no big deal. Um, I'm actually probably going to have a friend of mine make me something custom and fancy just for Ooh. funsies. Of a muddler? Yeah. What, can I ask why? Uh, it seems like a simple tool. It is a simple tool, but uh, she's... She makes some, muddlers? She's somebody who makes muddlers, and I appreciate her and know her. And Okay. She, she's a bartender. and Does yeah. she use special woods? Uh, well, she uses, you know, interesting woods, I think. Okay. And then, and then you know, they're all food safe and treated with... Uh, you know, some sort of food safe mineral oil or however you do that. You know, stuff. I I also I might be interested in getting a muddler from her because I I am unhappy with my muddler. Okay, well maybe uh, Christmas is coming up. And... Okay, <laughs> and then so you we'll, have... we'll we'll get we'll get dipsomania muddler Ooh, like like uh, etched etched into the wood. I don't know how, but we'll, uh, I'll talk to her about it. Uh, I took a woodshop class in high school, so it's been a few years for me as well. Yeah. And then, is this a bar towel, the red thing, or is this just a towel? That That is a bar towel because I always keep that handy, um, primarily just to wipe off the mouths of bottles. Yes. So Good, good point. Liqueurs and aperitivos and all the you know, vermouths. All those get so gummy, and like nothing is worse than the way the Campari cap welds onto the bottle. Or every, you, literally everything does. Yeah. Uh, spirits, not so much. <laughs> like whiskeys and gins aren't going to do that. But anything with the sugar content of a liqueur or aperitivo is going to do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I obsessively, and this is something I learned from watching Japanese bartender videos. So I obsessively wipe the mouths of my bottles. So I keep that little bar towel handy. And then there's the yellow juicer and the uh, Jackson Cannon bar knife that I treated myself to. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Which, uh, it's a fantastic knife. It feels so good in my hand. It's really great. And then the uh, Kuhn Recon the Swiss Y peeler. Yeah. Um, 
And then the bar mat, which was actually uh, given to me by a Hendrix brand rep that I know, Mark Stoddard. He's awesome. He's actually based in San Francisco. That is such a nice little little um, thing. <laughs> I know, but um, because I'm that's the one thing is I'm constantly wiping down the sink because it just annoys me when I I spill sugar or or in this case coffee or any of the like juice goes all over the place or well it, and you can see that my bar mat is glistening because either water or you know sticky boozes. Mm-hmm. Have spilled in there, but it's not something one would ordinarily think about. But it's actually a really good thing to have about if you if you're making cocktails with regularity. I think yes, I I highly recommend it. And it's it's so I have a couple of friends. Um, one is doing like their housewarming party, and another actually renovated their basement and built a bar down there. Mm-hmm. And for both of these friends, I'm going to gift them basically. A set of stuff from Cocktail Kingdom and a bar mat. Mm. That's what you need to have a bar. Do they have bar mats at Cocktail Kingdom? Not that I noticed. I, I grabbed something random off of Amazon. Okay. So you don't have a recommendation there? Um, <laughs> I wish I could recommend this Hendrix one because I it's know. fantastic. It's really nice. It's square, which is unusual. And it doesn't mark. Mm. So I, I had another one that I bought probably randomly from Amazon. Yep. But it leaves black skid marks wherever it goes. Yeah, see. No, this is I'm this is the thing I'm most jealous of. I mean your ice is nice and whatever, but yeah, the the that's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna I bet there's one on eBay. Somebody's gotta have one somewhere. I'm well gonna, uh, I just I just need to get you to meet Mark and say, you know me, because he would give you one. He tried to give me, like, three. <laughs> well, then take them. Um, and then you've got you've got a big muddler and a small muddler? The one by the juicer, is that another muddler? Yeah, that's the one that I actually muddle with. The one in the foreground I only use for the ice chisel, which is why it's so beat up. Okay. Oh, like, so it came with the ice tool? Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. I have so my muddler is this. Um, it's metal with a rubber tip. So it's oh uh, yes, I know those. Is that mm, Oxo or somebody? Yeah, some something like that. And uh, but for example, making old fashioned, it's I have to turn it over and use the metal end because the rubberized tip does nothing. It's just, it's just, it just sort of you know it's it's I guess it's good for fruit if you're doing it in a, in a shaker. But if you're muddling it in a glass, you really need something rounded tip and and probably not made of metal because you're in glass. Right. Yeah. So I'm yeah I'm unhappy with my muddler. So I think I think I'm gonna need a muddler. All right. Well, I will talk to my friend Heather and see what she can do for us. Because muddling is important. People at home, you don't you don't you probably don't think about mud- and. I was actually only introduced to muddling uh, when mojitos became so super popular, and you had to muddle the fuck out of like the mint and all the others. Like I guess it yeah. was like lime and mint, and there was, there was it's lime and mint, yeah. Um, and also Pim's cups with the the cucumber, cucumber and, you know, and stuff. Yeah. So um, and I thought I I needed some sort of 
you know, fancy muddling tool made for muddling, but it turns out, no, you basically need a dowel. Yeah, you want a wooden dowel, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that is the best advice for people at home. If, if somebody gives you a fancy muddler, thank them. Yeah. But, but you won't, Be polite. probably won't use it. <laughs> probably not. Um, and the same goes, at least for me, uh, ice tongs. Like I've got an ice bucket with ice tongs. Well, I, 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 I have ice tongs on the ends of my <laughs> yes. arms. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't, I, I, although, so again, if you're Japanese, if you're a Japanese bartender, you will definitely use them because that dude was awesome with his ice tongs. Sure. Right? And also the, like the, his hand gestures about setting things up. It was like watching, you know, cupping with the, with the cups. Yeah. It was like that. Like it's just so precise. And they were like, you know, exactly two inches apart. And he had all of these things lined up so that he would go <laughs> down and make this drink. And then, you know, he, he pushes it towards you, but he like, he like grips the, the stem right right in the right, like between his fingers. So it, it's like magically moving across the bar towards you. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's all so awesome. It's very, very nice. Oh, it's really great. It, they're so funny. And I, I hate to use that like general they, but I'm gonna, um, sure. <laughs> but they are so hyper efficient about everything, but then they throw in weird little flare moves and stuff. I know exactly what you mean but I love watching that too okay downside of the espresso old fashioned is all of the gunk left so I probably if I were going to do this again I would strain it because can you can you see what oh that's that's a little muddy yeah yeah it's there's some there's some gunk here so you can't really enjoy the dregs unless you really like espresso then just drink sure yeah gobble Gopple? Is that a word? Gopple? No, I don't think that's no, a word. I don't think so either. All right, should we call it? I think we should call it. I think this is a good one. We're right at time. I, th- I think we did good. That is perfect. Well, friends at home, the old-fashioned is a, I think it's a good go-to cocktail. It's easy. It involves a little bit of showmanship for your friends. Um, and, and the ingredients are also really simple. Well, yeah, and I, I think it's a perfect... Home cocktail. It's a perfect, like, make-for-yourself cocktail. Yep. Uh, much like the Manhattan and the Martini. Um, there's just enough ritual involved that you are doing yourself something good. And you can vogue on it if you feel like it. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank if you've you, got Jay. A, if, you've, if you've got a good soundtrack going, you can <laughs> do a little boogie. <laughs> do you have a recommendation there? Did you have something planned? I don't. No. Beyonce. It's always Beyonce. Always, always, always. Always Beyonce. Beyonce. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Jake. Thanks, Lance. Bye. Bye. Bye.